This is Leaving Laodicea with Steve McCraney, and this is a podcast for those who realize that apathetic, lukewarm, flannel graph faith just isn't going to cut it in the chaos that surrounds us today. We need something more, something different. So join us as we learn how to leave Laodicea behind. Today is Easter Sunday, 2020, and all of us are in quarantine, and we're having to celebrate Easter separate from each other in a new kind of way. And I'm I'm kind of excited about this time with you because I want to do something just a little bit different than what usually happens on Easter. Let's be quite honest. Most of us have been in church our entire lives. Most of us have heard dozens, if not hundreds a hundred or more Easter sermons about the resurrection. And there's really only so many ways that we can repackage the resurrection story in a way to make it interesting or innovative or something that people long to listen to. And in doing that as pastors and as a church, we miss the power of what's happening. We miss the the grandeur of this resurrection story. And we also fail to ask some of the questions that we're going to ask today about the disciples. Between the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord, there were 40 days. That's, that's six weeks. That's a long time. 40 days. We've been in quarantine about three weeks, and we've got another three weeks to go until the end of April. And so we're like in the middle of a 40-day period, and it seems like it's lasting forever. How did the disciples feel? What did they do during the time that they knew that Christ was alive and that he had appeared to them, and the time that he ascended into heaven? What, what did they do? Did they follow him? What were they thinking? Were they depressed? Were they unsure? Was Jesus around them all the time? There's only, there's only a few indications in Scripture of encounters that they had that would take up a day, a day and a half at most. But what about the other 38 and a half days? And so as we begin looking at this resurrection story, this Easter story, I'm not going to be preaching it to you, although I am going to make just a few comments But instead, what we're going to do is we're simply going to read it. As a matter of fact, in my almost 40 years of ministry, the most controversial sermon I've ever preached, the one that I caught the most flack from, and the one that people literally, when the sermon was over, they came down to the front of the church questioning me about what I said, was at West Franklin Baptist Church one Sunday evening, when for the evening worship service or the evening sermon, all I did was read 1 Timothy word for word, and let the scripture speak for itself. That's exactly what I want to do today. This is not a video presentation because I don't want to be distracted. Instead, what I would love for you to do is just to sit down and either have some headphones on or or just listen on your computer or your phone or however you are. Maybe close your eyes and just meditate on the words that we're going to be 
I'm going to be reading to you, because what I'm going to be reading is pure Scripture, Scripture from all four gospel accounts, all melded together into one narrative. There's not anything that I will be reading to you today that is not Scripture, but it's put together in such a way that we can get the the perfect view of all the events that took place as recorded by all the gospel narratives so that we won't miss anything. For example, we know that Jesus made seven statements when he was on the cross. It is finished into your hands I commit my spirit, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and, and the like. But not one gospel account includes all seven of those. So if you read just Matthew, but you would only get Matthew's part of the story, and then you would get Mark's part, and then Luke's. But it's only when you put them all together that you realize all the words that Jesus said on the cross. And you'll also realize and be able to appreciate everything that took place on this Resurrection Sunday and the time following that. I'm kind of excited about sharing this with you. Just Scripture, and I will make some comments and ask some questions as we get on into this, but I'm excited about sharing it with you. And I'm going to be beginning right before the crucifixion, after he has been scourged as he's carrying his cross on the way to Golgotha, and carry it all the way through the 40 days until we see him ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1. But before we begin, let me ask you to prepare your heart for ministry by just listening to this incredible song by Keith Green, the Easter song, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. ringing they're singing that you can be born again hear the bells ringing they're singing Christ is risen from the dead the angel upon the tombstone said he has risen just as he said Tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. Joy to Glorious hour Joy to 
just as he said Quickly now Go tell his disciples That Jesus Christ Is no longer dead Joy to Now, if you'll join with me, let's let God's Word speak for itself, and let's truly embrace the Easter story. Our account begins from Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. And he, bearing his cross, went out. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, the father of Alexander and Rufus, who was coming from the country and passing by, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children." For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, and when he had tasted it, he would not drink. There they crucified him. Jesus' time on the cross was kind of divided up into two three-hour segments. This is what happened during the first three hours. It's from Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. Then they crucified him. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now it was about the third hour, and the people stood looking on. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it whose it shall be. And they divided his garment and cast lots for them to determine what every man should take, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is from Psalm 22. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And they put it over his head, the inscription of the accusations written against him. 
This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus in the center. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors, from Isaiah 53. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also, mocking among themselves with the scribes and elders, sneered, saying, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, that we may see and believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. The final three hours on the cross. Matthew 27 Mark 15, Luke 23, John 19. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, the sun was darkened, and there was a darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama samatan, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, Look, this man is calling for Elijah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed of hyssop and put it to his mouth and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him and take him down. So when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, 
Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, and bowing his head, he breathed his last and yielded up his spirit. Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion who stood opposite him and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw that, he cried out like this and breathed his last, and saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly and glorified God, saying, Truly, this man was the Son of God, and certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd came together to that site, seeing what had been done. They beat their breast and returned. But all his acquaintances and many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him stood at a distance, watching those things. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less and Josie, and Salome the mother of Zebedee's sons, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Jesus has now died, and his body is to be removed and placed in a tomb. Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, John 19. Therefore, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, in order that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who was seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him who they pierced from Zechariah 12. After this, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, and a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, a good and just man and a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. He had not consented to their decision indeed. Coming and taking courage, this man went to Pilate and asked that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, Pilate gave him permission and commanded the body be given to Joseph. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And now they're taking Jesus' body and placing it in the tomb. Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 23, and again John 19. Then Joseph bought fine linen and took him down. And Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. 
Then they took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in strips of clean linen cloth with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in that garden a new tomb. And Joseph laid him in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock, in which no one had been laid before. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. There they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. So Mary Magdalene and the Mary of Josie observed where he was laid. Then they returned to prepare spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that while he was alive, how this deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard? Go your way and make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. It is now Sunday morning, the celebration of the resurrection. And as I read these accounts from you, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20, I want you to, to get a feel for what it must have been like. When you, when you place all these accounts together, you see that Jesus and the angels revealed themselves to a multitude of people at different times that all came at different times to explain to the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead, and yet they still didn't believe. It gives me this picture in my mind of, of like Job, when in Job chapter one, all the bad news is happening. And as, as soon as a servant came in, before he finished telling about this catastrophe, another one came in and another one came in and is like overwhelmed with bad news. But here, these disciples are overwhelmed with good news, and yet they still didn't believe. Why? Why? Let me begin reading. Sunday morning, the tomb is now empty. Now when the Sabbath was passed, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that we know as John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. As light began to dawn, very early in the morning, the other Mary and Salome and certain other women with them came to see the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. 
they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, for it was very large. Then they went in, and entering the tomb did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. They were alarmed and afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. But one of the angels, a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, notice the detail here, answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where they laid the Lord, but go quickly and tell his disciples and Peter that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Behold, I have told you. They said to them further, Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled with fear and great joy and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, but ran to bring his disciples' word. Peter and John now see the empty tomb. This is from Luke 24 and John 20. This is after hearing from Mary Magdalene. Peter therefore arose and went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there by themselves, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by himself, by itself. Again, notice the detail. Now the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples departed and went again to their own homes, marveling to themselves at what had happened. Really, they went again to their own homes. They fist-bumped, high-fived, didn't bother telling the other disciples, didn't announce with joy that, that they understood. They just went to their own homes as if nothing ever happened. Why? And in going to their own homes, they've completely forgot about Mary Magdalene, who obviously followed them to the tomb after she told them that it was empty. But now Jesus appears to her. John 20, and then a, a summary statement in Mark chapter 16. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. 
And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. I did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And then Mark gives a summary statement of all of this in Mark 16 and says, Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him and they, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. But it's not just Mary Magdalene Jesus appears to. Now he appears to the other women. We find this in Matthew 28 and Luke 24. As, and this is the other group of women, as they returned from the tomb and went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. And so they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Jesus met his disciples in Galilee. And then of course, they comes back to Jerusalem where he meets with them again. And we'll see that as this account unfolds. Then they went and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. They, they refused to believe that the Lord had risen. The next account we see is when Jesus appears to these two men that are walking on their way to Emmaus. It's recorded in Luke chapter 24, and then just a summary of that in Matthew and Mark 16. Mark, of course, is written like a shooting script, and he combines a lot of dialogue into just a small summary. So let me read the account to you in Luke 24, and then the summary statement in Mark 16. Now behold... Now, by the way, before I do this, these two men on the way to Emmaus, after they encounter Christ, they go back to Jerusalem. They're in the upper room explaining to the disciples who are hiding in fear that they saw the Lord. And while they were actually having this conversation with them to these unbelieving other disciples, Jesus appears the first time, of course, when Thomas isn't there. So get the feel for what's going on here. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day that Jesus appeared to the women, that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. They were prevented supernaturally in the sovereign act of God from recognizing who he was. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walked and are sad? Then one whose name was Clophas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he, Jesus, said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to, to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, abandoning their trek to Emmaus, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is in, risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Mark's summary of this entire event in two verses. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. I wonder sometimes in my own life, how hard it is for us to believe news so good because it's so great and so magnanimous that we can't even grasp our mind around it, that everything Jesus says is true and his promises are real. And in, in spite of all the evidence, we still fail to trust him and believe him like these disciples. I want you to get the picture here. The 11 and the others that are with them are hunkered down in this room, afraid of the Jews. And they've heard account after account after account that 
the ladies have seen Jesus and somebody else has seen Jesus. And Peter and John went down to the tomb and the tomb is empty and they came back. These two men come in now and, and they're explaining that they just met Jesus seven on a seven mile trip on the way to Emmaus. And as soon as Jesus revealed himself to them, they turned around and, and came back to, to give them this good news. Which brings us to the upper room appearance of Jesus when Thomas is not with him. You find this in Luke 24, John 20, and again, a summary statement of this event in Mark 16. The men from Emmaus, on the way to Emmaus, had just given their account, and it says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself came and stood in the midst of them. When did this happen? It was the same day at evening, the scripture says, being the first day of the week, and the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. That day began with the ladies going down to the tomb to anoint the Lord after the Sabbath and him revealing himself to, to them and all the accounts that are going on and Peter and John running down there and Jesus revealing himself to the, the men on the way to Emmaus, and who knows who else. It's now evening of that very same day, and the disciples are still cowering in fear in this upper room. And then Jesus shows up in their midst. And Jesus said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and his side. He showed him his hands and his feet and moved the tunic away to show the wound in his side. But while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, as a further proof, have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then, then, only after he eats, it says, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven then. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And then Mark summarizes this entire event that takes place that Luke and John are telling us about. And here's what he said in one verse. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. A week passes, and all of a sudden the next account we have in Scripture from John 20 is they're back in the upper room, Jesus appears again, but he appears when Thomas is there. So what happened during that week? What was Jesus doing? 
Well, what were the disciples doing? Were they still cowering in the room? Were they going out and telling their friends and neighbors? Did they have a boldness about themselves to proclaim that he's alive and God is, is fulfilling his promise? None of the scriptures indicate that even happened. Instead, they're silent. The scripture is silent regarding that week. John 20. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the prints of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, week is past, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look in at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to them, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Some time has passed now. Again, we have no idea where Jesus was and what he was doing. Although in 1 Corinthians, we see that he met with James and he met with a couple other disciples and he met with over 500 disciples at one time. And and we have no idea what the 11 are doing at this time. But in this rather strange account in John 21, where Peter is restored the ministry, the event happens where you almost get this this resignation in the disciples, you know what? I'm going back to my old life. I'm going fishing. And a couple of the other disciples said, yeah, me too. Watch, watch what happens next. John 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. Then they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Familiar story. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. 
But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 to be exact. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Continuing in John 21. So when he had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. I've shared with you over and over again about the two Greek words that are used here for love, agape, which is this altruistic, marvelous, one-sided, covenantal love that Jesus has for us, and filio, of course, which is a friendly love. A friend is is a best friend or a best bud. And how Jesus speaks to him with agape, and Peter responds with filio. Let me read this using those words. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me more than these? Probably pointing to the fish. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me like I love you in a supreme, altruistic, never-ending love? Lord, You know that I love you as my best friend, Simon responds. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you as a friend. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, and now Jesus' words change. Do you filio me? Do you really just love me as a friend? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you filio me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I filio you. And in spite of Peter's honesty and the apparent disappointment that we all would have in that response, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Prophetically, John tells us, thus he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Shows you how false doctrine gets started. 
Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are many other things that Jesus did, which if it were written one by one, I suppose even the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Then Jesus appears to many disciples in Galilee. We find this in Matthew 28 and a summary statement of this in Mark 16 again, but we also have an indication that this is possibly where he met with the 500 that is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15. Here's what it says. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had appointed for them. And there... He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, this is from 1 Corinthians 15, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And after that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. We're back now in Jerusalem. Luke 24 and Acts 1. Just about to bring this to a close. He also presented himself alive to his apostles after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining, here we go again, to the kingdom of God. It seems like everything that Jesus began his ministry with and spoke about while he was on earth and even now during this 40-day period between his resurrection and the ascension, it's all about the kingdom of God. Anyway, back to the text. And being assembled together with them, he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. It's a prayer that we need to pray every time we look at his word. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are my witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Thus he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom was the first and foremost thing on their mind, because even now that's all they could think about. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, 
Luke 24, Acts 1 continuing, and a, a summary verse in Mark. Now, when he had spoken these things, he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass that while he blessed them and that he was parted from them while they watched and carried up into heaven and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. And then Mark's summary verse. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompaniment of signs. Amen. This is the resurrection story. And this is the resurrection story from Scripture. It's not a pastor adding comments to it. It's not as trying to expound any more on God's Word than what it already says. And I know this is probably different than any Easter Sunday you've ever spent, listening to a message at home with your family, or some of you even alone, separated from the touch and the face of those that you love, but we are all together and we are still all one. And Christ is still sovereign and is coming again. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that you'll get a feel for all that happened in this marvelous resurrection day. God bless you. And let me pray.